Hello and welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope that this message from our lead pastor, Graham Heslop, both empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. I'm really excited about this morning and I want to um, really let you know, just uh, get on the edge of your seat. Even now, just have an expectation that you're not just going to hear a talk. This is like worship to God, seeking His Word, hearing His Word, reframing our lives, has the power to do something really amazing. So Lord, we just hand it over to You. I I hand myself over to You, Lord. I really don't want to get in the way of today. So I just ask that You would come now and that You would uh, use me, but You would speak to our hearts. We open our hearts, we open our lives in a fresh way in Jesus' name. Amen. John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes to steal, rob, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. And this life of Jesus is not wishful thinking. It's actually a way. It's a rhythm. He doesn't tell us things to plan to disappoint us. That's not his nature. But there is a way that's a little bit different to what we think it is. And so sometimes I think we think maybe the everlasting or abundant life might be in things or stuff. And I'm not against some of the things God does to bless us as wild. But at essence of it, the reason sometimes we miss the abundant life is because we think it's in a different way to what it is. It's a deep and satisfying life. And, and, And I've said it before in this series that if we think God is trying to compete at an endorphin level with, with all the things in our lives to bring us life, we, we will miss the way. That's a low way. The depth of the life that God wants to bring is a sustaining, deeper way of Jesus. So that's why we're talking about the way as we talk about following Jesus. We're on a journey, if you didn't know, of a two or three year journey for our church of actually learning how to become disciples. It's quite a challenge. It's not really for the faint-hearted. And, and it's, a, it's a journey. That's what it is. So if you didn't hear it last week, Jared spoke to us about one of the ways, practicing the way. Uh, we, we dealt with Scripture for one week. After that Sunday, by the way, we came away and we were like, we need a year to deal with that topic. That was pathetic. Like, <laughs> like what are we even doing? Uh, but um, you can find all of them online and you can see the journey that we've been going through on our YouTube channel. But... Jared um, spoke about prayer last week, and he asked, have you prayed about it? He explained that Jesus prayed as a practice, so embodied in his everyday life, that really for us, prayer shouldn't really be our last resort, but our first response. That we should be kind of ebbing and flowing with the Father, so that we don't try to, you know, like someone said the other day, because I do actually have to fly a lot for my job which means I'm faced with death a lot. And, um, <laughs> and I, I remember when I used to fly when I was younger, I'd just be praying my brains out. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, please pray. Oh, what's that noise, Lord? And uh, I realised it was my stomach or something. But, um, you know, the, 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 the type of prayer Jesus practised was a, a deep, rich, sustaining communication with heaven. Jared also reminded us that the purpose of prayer isn't to get man's will done in heaven. It's always badgering him for, you know, like that park. You know that perfect park? Ruby, as a little child, had a great anointing, didn't she, Rebecca, for parks in town that we started using her like at two and three. Pray, Ruby, for a park. And she'd pray and a park would just come out. 
And now that you don't travel with us, we're driving around town all day. It's terrible. (laughs) But not to get our will done in heaven, but God's will done here on earth. And I love that. But prayer isn't always easy. It can be really challenging for us. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. His name's Greg. And Greg wants to pray. He finds himself in a place where he needs to pray. But he's struggling because he sort of made people think he's quite good at it. And he finds himself at a gathering where other people are and they've now asked him to pray. And this is difficult stuff. And I have the actual situation on video. Here's his experience. It's like a testimony. And I want you to watch it. Unless you have some objection. No, 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 I'd love to. Pam, come on, it's not like I'm a rabbi or something. Said grace of many a dinner table. It's okay. Oh, dear God. Thank you. You are such a good guy to us, a, a kind, gentle, and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly laid at our table this day and each day by day. Day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly. Day by day, by day. Amen. Amen. Oh, great. That is lovely. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting too. (laughs) I wonder if you feel like your prayers are like that. Interesting. I think there's two things there with Greg's prayers that I see potential issues with. Two things. And uh, I think they're issues for us as well. And the first one is that Greg, well, his heart's not really in it. Uh, He's kind of like in a position where he's forced to pray. And um, I've got to say that if we're ever talking about prayer, it's a dodgy thing to pray for in public. I felt very nervous about today because we can use prayer as different mechanisms for things that it's not actually about, where our hearts aren't really in that place. The key issue is to understand that prayer is ultimately about one thing, and that is connecting with God. That's what it's about. And we so often forget that. Like Greg, we feel like we're meant to pray or that praying is somehow proving our status of being good. That's a classic issue. Cultural Christianity is doing the things people of faith do, but without faith. That's what classic uh, cultural Christianity is. Jesus addressed this heart thing in Matthew 6. He said, when you pray, don't be like hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? A hypocrite is just someone who says they live or believe a certain thing 
but their life does not line up to it. Or better language, their heart's not in it. That's all it is. Their heart's not in it. And uh, he said they love standing in the synagogue, so in religious places. And I don't know who these people are, but they even enjoy standing on street corners. But the big agenda behind it is to be seen by others. So they're not seeing God. They're really seeing others. Their prayers are really focused on themselves rather than on the object of our prayer. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. He goes on, Jesus, to say, here's what I want you to do in the message. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly. The opposite of um, a hypocrite is someone who's honest. You don't have to perform. You don't have to make it out to be something that's not just so that your heart is in it. And then what's gonna happen? The focus will shift from you to God. So then your focus is on God and you'll begin to sense his grace. And guys, that's the heart of the gospel, grace. It's the heart of why we pray because there is a good, benevolent father on the other end of our prayers. If we don't have that, we haven't yet found the way of Jesus. Then on the end of this prayer that I'm praying, it might, I don't know if it sounds good, it might be all highfaluted, but the Father is there. He's here right now. He's hearing. He's receiving. The heart of the kingdom of God is the heart of the King. Years ago, I would get really wound up about preaching and ministering. There was a period in my life where um, I'd get quite agitated. I started to feel the pressure and I took the pressure and I would pray about it. And I would give it to God and I would say, God, I need you to speak because I'm about to speak, but I really need you to move and I need you to give me a message. And my prayers became even more laboursome, really concerned about this task of serving God in this way. And God was so gracious to me. He would would treat me with so much grace because it didn't tank too often. But what I noticed was that my prayers were becoming Groundhog Day They were actually focused on God help me speak well. God help me minister well. And that was the focus of the target. God give me a message. And one day I knew my heart was really too focused on that thing. I'm not sure what was the catalyst for it, but it was focused on what I was worried about. And so I stopped praying for a period of time about preaching, about ministering, about the message. I stopped Because I thought to myself, God's not stupid. We treat God like he's an idiot sometimes. Like he would only do what you tell him exactly to do. Well, what the heck? He didn't need you to create you. He didn't need you to create the world. Why would God not have thoughts and intents and concepts of his own? So this is what I began to pray pray for. Instead of praying for a message, I began to pray for my heart. I ask you, God, to prepare my heart. Because I know, God, it can be a bit confused at times. It can be a bit distracted at times. And I started taking walks with God, like literal walks and quite slow. Like not a, we're not burning fat here. You know, we're, we're, I'm just like, I'd put some headphones in, put some worship on, and I would just go for a walk and I would just let my heart be prepared. And what I actually found was that leaning into Him, leaning into Christ, leaning into his presence, actually served both purposes. That I was no longer concerned about bringing the word because I had this overwhelming sense of the goodness of God in my heart. But when I did come to bring the word, 
there was like this ease and alignment. It's not always like that. I can't say it's always like some sort of ritual like that. Sometimes I have different moments, several I could share with you. But the point I'm making is one that Jesus taught in Matthew 6. If you seek first the kingdom of God, all of these things will be added unto you. So rather than you being worried about a job, what you could do is say, Lord, I pray you would soften my heart to your purpose in my life, knowing that you never create mistakes, but you've always got a way, you've always got a will, and letting your heart be overwhelmed with him. Jeremiah and Ezekiel both spoke about this. They both said at different moments that God says, I will give you guys a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And so it is with the way of Jesus. It is with prayer. Of course, at times we've got to drag ourselves to it. That's okay. But if we're there because someone's captivated our heart, the same someone who holds up the universe, who gave his very life for us, before long, we're praying on a whole nother level. Whole nother level. We're trusting God with our very lives. The heart is the start of everything kingdom. The heart, oh, this is good. The heart is the start of everything kingdom. You wanna know the kingdom of God? Start with the heart. And then there's a second issue for Greg. And the second issue is that Greg appears to be trying to pray. Beyond where his heart is, and it's just way too complicated. I, I don't know if he's ever been taught prayer. That's my feeling watching him. I don't, I don't have the feeling that he's been taught how to pray. This is really weird in our culture that actually you come to this point of faith, you receive forgiveness through Jesus, you put your trust in Him, and then it's like, now what? Like we all think that because you gave your heart to God, because you experienced God, you're gonna be good at all this stuff. And it's like, who taught you that? Whoever taught you that was really, really wrong. Even the disciples, how many people would agree the disciples are pretty onto it? Peeps. That's the Greek word for them. (laughs) They said this, Jesus, teach us how to pray. In other words, if I'm gonna teach you a musical instrument, we're gonna go on a journey. There's gonna be a process and the progress is gonna come because of the process. When was the last time you saw progress in your prayer? Without condemning you, do you know what's missing? Progress, whenever you don't see progress, you're just missing process. If you haven't grown in prayer, maybe you haven't got around some prayer warriors. Maybe you haven't been around Helen Bowwater. When she prays, it's like the university of prayer. When I hear her pray, I'm like, oh, that's how you're meant to pray. Now, I don't know if she thinks this is the way you're meant to pray. But what I do know is that each of us need to be exposed to this so that we don't condemn ourselves spiritually. This is really good stuff. Teach us how to pray. Teach us who taught you how to pray. Who discipled you? Who helped you in the formation of your prayer? Who actually helped you shape up and get ready so that knowing when you pray, something's happening in the heavenlies? Who's taught you that? Absolutely. Every time you pray, something's happening in the heavenlies. Absolutely. That's the way it works in the spiritual realm. Who taught you that when you start praying at the start, you'll hear your own voice and you will think, I sound simply stupid. Who taught you that? Because that's what happens. When you start praying, you think, I just sound like an idiot. I just sound like out of my mind. Ooh, yuck. I don't like the sound of my own voice. But as you progress, 
on a process, the focus shifts from your voice to His grace. <laughs> Why? Because you persevered in learning. And that's Greg's problem. I don't think Greg's been taught. I just don't think Greg has been taught. So because we need to be discipled into prayer and a prayer life in a way, I'll give you 15 ways to pray. And I want to encourage you to note some of these down or take photos of them because I just don't want to assume. I don't want to assume that because you go to church regularly that you're doing a journey on prayer, that there's a practice in your life, okay? So because we best not assume, I just want to talk about them. And there's a lot more. I'll count it down, I think, from about 135 down to 15. So that's not technically true, but it's good for uh, communication purposes. But there was a lot more. Number one is if you're going to learn how to pray, you've got to learn how to pray short. Religious spirits hate this point, but it's 100% true. Jesus spent periods of time with the Father, but I don't think he was giving endless monologues to God like he wasn't listening. Smith Wigglesworth sort of said it like this. I don't pray for a long period of time, but I don't go a long period of time without praying. With Rebecca and I, at the end of the day, we don't turn up back at home and just give each other a 30-minute monologue about the day. In fact, that's the last thing I want. I don't really want to relive my day. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it again. I've just lived it. But we're kind of through the day sending messages to each other. There's an emoji here, an emoji there. Here an emoji, there an emoji, everywhere an emoji emoji. It's just like this like text you just get. And I always start my text to her, hey, sweetheart, or hey, Becky, or hey, babe. She just starts them with the task, you know. Um, <laughs> where are you? Or <laughs> what's up? Or something like that. And that's the difference, right? Um, let's unpack that for a minute. No. <laughs> but with God, right, when we're walking with God, short messages from the heart are perfect. Wake up in the morning before you go digital. Wake up in the morning and say, morning, Jesus. Your mind won't even be in that place here. It's going to take you at least 40 minutes, an hour, for your mind to even remember it's saved. Get the cobwebs out of it. But address him, welcome him, say hi to him. And then before you go to bed, the last thing you want to do, what she doesn't know is when I go to snuggle into my pillow, <laughs> I just made myself sound very metro. But when I go to sleep, I go, thanks, Jesus. I just start thinking about him. Thanks for today. Just a dialogue. It's way more normal. You can pray long if you want to, but just don't make it a rod for your own back. And don't get proud because you think in doing so, God hears you more or you're better than other people. That's not what it's about. He's better. He's good. He's awesome. Number two, quiet prayers. Spurgeon called Psalm 46 a prayer of holy confidence. Be still and know that I am God. I'm exalted above the nations. Being still. I have found stillness in prayer to be something of a secret weapon. Why? Because not only does it calm me where peace begins to flow, because that's everything the world is not, peace, but it activates my faith. When I'm quiet before God and I just close my eyes and I just sit or I just sit and look at nature and just sit with God, it takes more faith to sit and know God is with you than it does to fuss about and be religious. Like when he told the Israelites in Exodus 14, stop and be still, the Lord will fight for you. Do you think it takes more faith or less faith to stop, to be quiet, and just be in the presence of God. It takes more. So when you do that, you are growing your faith. You can spout off and do speeches and formulas if you want, but you know, God knows you. 
God is with you. And, and fixing your mind on Him and making your soul quiet and your mind quiet before Him actually shapes you in the image of Christ better than nearly any other way. Three is grateful prayers. Oh, thank you, Jesus, so much. Not being anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, through prayer, with thanksgiving, present your request before the Lord. When we grumble, we side with the tempter. Never satisfied, always could do it better, always disgruntled. We miss the fact that with God, we have everything that we need in Him. Prayers of gratitude make a workplace better again. Thank you for this job, God. You must have had an idea when you had this in mind. Prayers of gratitude make a parent soft again. Thank you for these kids, God. I don't know what planet they're currently living on, but Lord, thank you that you gave them to us. Prayers of gratitude make a marriage hot again. I did this little secret tip. I worked it out about seven or eight years ago where I, no one told me it just happened. I was just staring at Rebecca. She was in the kitchen. Hold it. Let me, she was in our house. That sounds really sexist. And I just stood and I just stared at her. And I thought to myself, shivers. How did this happen? How did I end up with her? This is a, if you knew the story, that's totally impossible. That is impossible stuff. The angels visited. God came and he moved. We got married and we started arguing. It was so interesting. So then I'm thinking though, because you go through real stuff, right? I just stare. I just like, I cannot believe it. Cannot believe it. And boy, it makes a marriage spicy, good stuff. Prayers of gratitude. What? To the clean, all things are clean. Prayers of gratitude make a body well again. Say by faith, thank you, Lord, that I'm well. Thank you, God, that I'm healed. Thank you, God, for my back coming right. I say, Lord, I thank you you've got this. I thank you that you've brought us this far and you never left us. Therefore, I stand thankful before you. Four desperate prayers. There are moments in life that silence is not the best option, where unless God comes through for you, you are stuffed. Reaching out to God through prayer has the power to break strongholds, sickness, confusion, all demonic activity. We don't have to lose our call, but something in my spirit will get moved at times, and if I sense it, I'll go with it. I don't do it as a performance to God, but as I feel my spirit stirred, as I feel my spirit rising, I begin to call on heaven. It's one of the very good ways to pray. I call on you, God, because I am desperate. I am desperate. One word prayers is number five. When you don't feel like praying, when you feel broken, when you feel disturbed, when you can't even think of what to say, or if you can, you don't even want to say it. I've learned how to pray one word prayers. The seasons in my life where I've gone to spend time with the Lord and I've just said, Jesus. Jesus. Have you ever prayed this prayer? Ah! I've prayed that one a dozen times with nothing else followed. Oh! Because I don't know what to do. What about this one? It's really good. Help! Please help me! Please help her so much. <laughs> 
know, Romans 8, it says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We're weak. We're not professional prayers. You're never going to be a professional prayer. No matter how good you get, you're never going to be quite like Jesus. But the Spirit helps us in that. For we do not know what we should pray at times. But the Spirit intercedes for us. And what does He use? Oh, He uses all the Greek and all the Latin and all the Aramaic. No, groanings. He looks at us sometimes and goes, oh, I have to put up with these people again today. Do you know why we sleep? Do you know why we have hours of sleep in a 24-hour day? Why would God cause us to waste so much time of our 24 hours? He needs a break. (laughs) He's had a lot to do with you today and He just needs a break. He just needs some time out, people. So the Spirit groans and He searches the heart of the mind of the Spirit and He makes intercession. And look at out of the groanings, what happens? Out of that place... You haven't got a lot of words out of that place. He makes all things work together for the good of those who are called according to His purpose. One word prayer is a catalyst to a big change in your life. Six, have to prayers. I felt the Spirit tugging on me at times where I just have to pray. Where at the moment where I just have to simply pray, I'm not sure why, I don't know what's going on, but it's like an urge in me. As you grow in prayer, as you progress in prayer, sometimes this happens. I'll say to Rebecca, I'm just gonna go for a drive and pray. I'm just gonna go and pray. And it's not necessarily for moments of like deep need. It's just you feel the Spirit pulling you to do that. When you develop, key word, develop by practice, a spiritual sensitivity, you will have moments where God even puts someone on your heart that you knew nothing about, but you became a catalyst to a miracle, to a hope, to a saved life, to I don't know what. But you can have these, I've just, I just have to pray moments. Go with it like a wave of the sea. You're surfing that wave, you're just gonna catch that wave. And you're just gonna let the Holy Spirit begin to guide you in moments. Seven, unscripted prayers. I take what's on my heart in the moment, issues to God, word by word. I had to learn this with God, that I actually take them to Jesus and they describe exactly where I am at. I did this one time. I was so annoyed, so frustrated about not having a boat big enough for our family. So over about 18 months, two years, I prayed about this frustration. And this were the prayers. You ready? God, I am so annoyed that we can't have a boat big enough for our family. And in the end, I felt so weird. I was like, I said to the Lord, I don't even know if I should be talking to you like this. I was like, this is, I'll stop it. Legit, I was like, I'll stop praying like that. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. You know, I'll focus on something better. And anyway, Um, This went on and then I feel it again, this annoyance. So instead of just being annoyed and saving lots of things to trade me, I said, Lord, I really want to boat for a family. I have no means to do it. I don't know how it's going to happen. But I just, and I remember going up the Abel Tasman one year and I said out loud out of this annoyance about 12 or 18 months into it, we're borrowing my dad's boat, um, which had seven of us in it. And there was becoming more water in it than ought to be. That's a lot of people. And anyway, I said out loud to my family, this is the last year we'll be coming up in this boat. By next summer, we'll have our own boat. And I think people are like, oh, good idea. Still no idea how it's going to happen. But I just want to say this. I'm so glad I told God that because He sorted it out for me. Number eight, scripted prayers. We can pray Scripture. It's such a good way of learning how to pray. The Psalms out loud. Um, there's prayer books. I want to just say this. Um, if you're taking notes and you're really keen to go further in your prayer, the common book of prayer 
is available on Google, and other movements other than ours have used it daily for different moments and different occasions. And guess what? Following a script is still prayer. In fact, many of the prayers you see prayed in the New Testament are echoes of prayers prayed in the Old Testament. You don't have to be original 100% of the time. I don't know, does that kind of relieve some people? Relieves me, I'm just gonna get in there and read some prayers. Number nine, praying with others. Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, so I am there with them. Believers, disciples, praying with others takes prayer to a whole nother level. And it's actually the best way to learn. And I just wanna say this. This includes praying with your family. You know, your pastor is not gonna take spiritual responsibility for your family. He, he or she can't. They will come and bring you the bread of life that would hopefully be a catalyst to you understanding, hey, you're called a priest in God. And I know it can be awkward at times, but Beck and I had to establish a habit with our kids when they were young, and we still do it today, where suddenly out of nowhere, one of us just says, we should pray. You hear something bad, something's tricky, and we just stop. And this is out loud, and this is together, and we will just stop in the kitchen. It doesn't matter if not everyone's together, and we'll just begin to pray in the kitchen. Two, three minutes, 30, 45 seconds. It doesn't matter. It's actually the fact that when we are combined, faith goes to another level. 10, others praying for me. You know, there are moments in our lives where our faith feels weak and we just desperately need someone to pray for us. This is part of being part of the body of Christ. Bring up that photo. The last time this happened to me, um, I asked this man here to pray for me. We were going to Takaka. First time he'd ever been to Takaka, he's from India. By the way, he's been stoned for preaching twice in India. Had multiple death threats on his life. God told him to shift to New Zealand and he's leading a church in our movement. So we were going over to a church and we're talking with them and discussing some stuff. And on the way back home, I felt this urge. I was like, Avish, can you pray for me? There's just some stuff going on in my mind and some stuff going on. And he said, absolutely. And so for about 15 minutes, we just prayed. He prayed for me and then I turned around and prayed for him. And then at the end of the 15 minutes, he said to me, hey, can you pull over? I said, absolutely. He said, I think I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> and unfortunately, prayer is definitely spiritual, but doesn't always help naturally. But I wanna tell you, that's actually a total lie, but it was just a reference to his car sickness. But God gives grace where honesty and humility come. 11, prayers of doubt. It's not that you don't think God can't do it. It's that you're unsure on how, when, and what it's gonna look like. Pray like Gideon prayed. But if the Lord is with us, why has this all happened to us? Where on earth are all his wonders that we were told about? Voicing your doubts to the Lord could be one of the greatest catalysts you can ever experience because your heart, yes, once again, your heart is opened up to God in a deeper way. Now, if you're gonna pray prayers of doubt, just make sure you also, number 12, pray prayers of faith. That's where you just come to God and you say, I believe you, God. You can do it, God. I believe you, God, for what I cannot see. I believe in the impossible. God, all things are possible for him who believes. God, you are great. You're the creator. God, if you're in it, I believe it. God, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you leave it there. You say, amen, leave it there. Carry on. Prayers of faith, injecting your life with possibility. Anything's possible. Number 13 is elders' prayers. I'm a little bit afraid of telling you this, but if you've read your Bible recently, it says if anyone's suffering or sick, um, 
call the elders of the church. As pastors, I am shocked at the amount of times people do not call the elders if they're in a tough spot over the years. Some people do. And when we go to pray for them, the faith on that. Now, these are people who are meant to be carrying spiritual responsibility. And I don't know that we necessarily want endless amounts of appointments, but we sort of do too. Because if you're going through stuff, what else did it say? If there's guilt that's overcome you, if you're sick, the those called to that eldership role, that responsibility will anoint you with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick and you will be forgiven. And I just want to tell you that if you're really in a desperate place, you're desperate, this is a great prayer. It's one where you just have a body, the body of Christ come around you. 14 is singing prayers. You might not like this one because you can't sing or you might not like me saying it because people in your family can't sing. But I sing my prayers often. I just sing to the Lord. Sing to Him a song, a hymn, a spiritual song. I'll just sing. I'll sing a prayer. I'm sick of saying it. You need a bandwidth of prayer. You know, because it's not about the prayer, it's about connecting with God. You're an, God is an artisan. You, you don't formulate Him. You walk with Him. You lean into Him. By the way, I'll just say worship is a key to prayer. Bill Johnson said if he had 20 minutes to pray, he would worship for 15 and then pray for five because it opens your spirit, opens your heart, opens everything you sing. It's like songs of possibility. And here's the last one, 15. Have you enjoyed this? I knew, I know you know them. Heavenly prayers. When the Holy Spirit fell in Acts 2, He fell on people to speak in another tongue. It can be referred to as tongues or heavenly prayer language. Paul wrote about it in 1 Corinthians 14 saying, pursue it, pursue the spiritual gifts, desire them, but also prophecy that you would speak in tongues. He says that when you speak in a tongue, you don't speak to man, but to God. And not only that, but the Spirit speaks mysteries back to you. So there's kind of like this meeting when you're praying in your heavenly prayer language in heaven. You don't even understand what you're saying, but God's taking your language and he's organizing, developing. And what does it say later in verse 14? Edifying, which means strengthening. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. If my understanding is unfruitful, so I can't get anywhere with my words in prayer or can't think what to pray, what's the conclusion? I'll pray in my spirit, pray with understanding, do them both. But I fear that too many people don't know how to pray in the spirit. I'm married to a wife who I walk into the bathroom and hear her praying in the Spirit. Sometimes we'll hear news about something, pray in the Spirit. I remember when she came out of surgery and I saw the doctors walking towards me down the hallway, something out of me, I didn't know how to say anything else when I knew the surgery hadn't gone to plan because it had gone five hours over time. I saw that doctor walking towards me and I just began to, I was just under my, I did do it one time in a supermarket quite loud with headphones in and the checkout person did think it was weird and, and TV shows mock us for this but what you can't mock is the peace and the power the transcendence the enlightening the fact that God might just say something to you in that moment that didn't come through head knowledge but came by the Spirit pray in tongues if you're in a bind pray in tongues if you don't feel spiritually hot pray in tongues if you feel spiritually attacked, pray in tongues. If you don't know how to do what you need to do, pray in tongues. We're going to pray in tongues. So how do you get it? By the Holy Spirit. You ask Him for it. I asked when I was um, 12 years old. 
My dad was in the shower. I heard him praying in tongues. I said, what are you doing? There was a curtain. I said, what are you doing? And he said, he said, I'm praying in tongues. Through the shower curtain, water's still running. Praying in tongues. He goes, would you like to? I said, yes. Childlike faith's awesome. I said, yes. And he goes, okay, I'll pray that you get tongues and um, then you need to go out and try it. I was like, what now? Say what? And uh, so he goes, Lord, I pray by the Holy Spirit, Graham receive the gift of the heavenly prayer language. Shouts running still. I'm just standing there. He says, amen. And I said, you go now and try it out. So I walked out the bathroom door, I shut it. And I thought, what does a person who prays in tongues sound like? And I came up with bananas, which is actually what another preacher has come up with too. I've heard it said before. And then I thought, while I'm saying this banana word, like banana, ba, banana, na, ba, 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 I was like that. I thought, this is just idiotic. And then suddenly though, something, something, something. See, by faith, there's a lot of things you can tap into in God if you're just willing to go beyond what you fear, what you feel, and what you do not understand. For you right now, you can step into something right now that you've never known. We trust you enjoyed this message. And if you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch. You can either visit our website or email us at info at annasbrook.co.nz.